when I get there, they want to know how is America. My family has never been here, and I'm working on it. My family has never seen me play in high school, never seen me play in college, never seen me play pro. Before I play pro, I have never been to a professional football game. My first football game in my life, pro, was the one I was playing it. I probably lost all feeling in my body and just thought, <laughs> like, I just didn't even know what happened. Welcome into the International Lounge. I am Ryan Mink. And I'm Garrett Downing. We're mixing things up. Right <laughs> we now. are. We are. See, you know, we've gotten a lot of feedback from our listeners abroad, not domestically. And so we said, let's give them an international episode. Let's go with the Canadian guy, the African guy. We're bringing in the Ravens players from abroad because yep. to satisfy those fans. Yeah, I mean, we have all these people that email the show and say, I'm from wherever. And Usually yeah. they're like from like the UK or yeah. something. Usually it's Europe, but, yeah, but you know, whatever. But that's okay. And so <laughs> we're mixing it up. And so we're going to bring on Stefan Namebot from Africa, from Cameroon, yep. and Brent Urban, who is uh, Canadian. was Grew up just outside of, of Toronto. Yep. And uh, before we do that, we do have an email to read. Like I said, we always like to read the emails. Yeah. So this is at the lounge at ravens.nfl.net. This email is from Colin Waite. And Colin writes, hey, Ryan and Garrett, or Garrett and Ryan. He has no favorites here. Right. So I was hoping that I would be his favorite, but I guess not. He says, thanks for putting the podcast together. The Ravens are on top of their game when it comes to creating content for their fans, and what you guys are doing is no exception. I really appreciate all the hard work that goes into your reporting. He does have a suggestion, though. And okay. it's a long email, so I'll just kind of summarize his suggestion. All Basically, right. what he says is, could you bring on some of these nationally known media pundits out there um, and see what they think about right. the Ravens? So well, we actually saw this email, mm-hmm. and we said, that's a good, good idea, Colin. We'll put that to work. We'll take your suggestion. Yes, yeah, so we have Peter King from the MMQB. There's no bigger name than Peter King. Let's yeah, he's one of the preeminent, you know, sports. Well, PFT NFL. commenter. I don't want to insult PFT commenter. It's true. But Peter King is one of probably, if not the uh, most well-known NFL reporter out there. So. Yeah, and we're still we're working on others, uh, Colin. Just to let you know, we're trying to get Mel Kiper on before the draft. Yep. Uh, we'd like to get Daniel Jeremiah, former Ravens scout, to come on and talk. So we're working on some other big name media guys. You know, almost as big a name as us. <laughs> right. Um, but you know, with no further ado, let's get into our first guest, uh, the Canadian, eh? <laughs> Do you have a good Canadian accent? Nice joke. Thanks. Here's Brent Urban. We are happy to be joined by defensive end Brent Urban, a Canadian. Canadian, yes. I kind of, you know, I sometimes when I go on vacation these days, I say I'm Canadian, you know, because like you just get a warmer reception <laughs> abroad, you know. I've so that, I feel yeah. like strangely, like I have a connection to Brent as Canadian brethren. <laughs> do, you, do you do that? Do you find that you get a warmer reception elsewhere? Um, I'd say so. I mean, I guess in Europe and places like that, I've heard, you know, Americans kind of putting like a Canadian patch on their backpack and stuff like that <laughs> exactly. to kind of get people to like be warm with them. I mean, I haven't experienced it firsthand, but I've definitely heard of stories like that. <laughs> so Brent, we wanted to have you on to uh, talk a little football, but also talk about you a little bit. And uh, let's start with that because that, yeah. that's fun. Yeah, it's more we're not, we're football. not playing football right now, yeah. so let's talk about you. So you were pretty close to becoming a hockey player. Like that was legit a possibility for you. Mm-hmm. Can you can you tell us a little bit about your hockey background? Yeah, so I kind of started late playing hockey. Um, it was obviously very popular growing up and stuff like that, but I was kind of playing a little bit of everything from, you know, ma- major, ma- mainly basketball, I'd say. Um, and then I kind of decided to play hockey when I was like 
11, I'd say. That's like a late start for somebody. It's late because people Canada. start skating and playing hockey at like 6 or 7 <laughs> right. in Canada usually. So um, just started playing and, you know, because of my size and I was doing fairly well, I really moved up in levels like, I don't know, it was like three years it took me to kind of get to the highest level <laughs> in, <laughs> locally, <laughs> um, which is, you know, it's the hockey hotbed, hotbed right. and like yeah. hockey's obviously huge there. So, um, you know, from there I went to like the basically... The second level is double A, the top level is triple A. So I went from the lowest double A team to the high, the best triple A team basically almost in Canada, I'd say. Like we'd win like, we play 100 games a season and win like 95 of them or wow. something. Yeah, so we were really good. This is when you were like 15 years old? Or? I, so I played on that team from when I was uh, 12 to maybe 16. Okay. Yeah, and we won like all Ontarios and obviously did really well. Um, we had probably what maybe like five or six guys drafted in the nhl from that team wow. probably three or four currently playing in the nhl so yeah we were a great team and i was kind of i kind of had to decide whether to take you know what route to take basically and um it was tough kind of going from i'd go straight from football practice after school my dad would drive me like 45 minutes away to the suburbs it's like north toronto to play you know and it was just taxing and a lot obviously so he's like yeah. Once I got to 11th grade, he's like, all right, you need to decide, <laughs> you know, type of thing. I'm, I'm tired of driving you yeah, all Yeah, because it was, it was insane. So he, he kind of made me decide. And um, the prior summer, I went to a bunch of, like, football camps in the States trying to, like, drum up interest, see kind of, you know, where I could take it. And when I got back to school that fall, I got a ton of letters, stuff like that. And, you know, it seemed like football would be a good route as far as getting, like, a scholarship and stuff like that. So, um you know, just decided to go with football. Hockey is, you know, my size is obviously helpful in hockey, but... Is it? Because you've got to be the biggest guy out there. I mean, yeah, it's not, it's honestly not that helpful. It is sometimes where I have, like, a longer reach where I can, like, get the puck off guys. But, you know, I have smaller guys, like, kind of going under me, taking right. the puck. And <laughs> I just I imagine them literally going between your legs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And, like, I remember my coach used to be like, you know, you need to be more aggressive and stuff like that. So I'd go out. I'd hit somebody and get a penalty instantly. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, right. So it was kind of like I was too big for the game almost where, you know, my skill set definitely lent itself towards, you know, football and, you know, I'm, you know, my height and weight and all that kind of stuff. Right. I mean, you don't see many hockey players that are like six foot six, six foot seven. I mean, exactly. I don't know if there's anybody in the NHL that's that size. So there's uh, Zdeno Chara. He's like six, seven, six, eight, but okay. he's like, he's like a rarity. You know, there's really not many guys like that. And I love how you know that like tall hockey players yeah. tonight. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, exactly. When I was growing up, I was like, all right, I need to see who I need to like base my game off of. Right? <laughs> right. There's like three guys that are like similar height. So, uh, yeah, I mean, there's definitely not. And there's a, you know, my skill set lent itself towards football. And, you know, I saw, thought I could take it farther. And, I, you know, I, I loved football growing up, too. It just, I think I weighed too much to play football early. So I had to wait until high school to start playing. So, <laughs> so yeah. I heard, didn't your, your hockey coach, like, want you to become, like, a goon? Like, if you had become a goon and just gone out there and fought everybody on the ice, you probably could have made it to the NHL. Yeah, see, that's the thing is, you know, we're bigger guys, they kind of, they won't give you as fair as a shot, really, where it's like, you know, he's big, he can be the intimidator type of thing, right. where, where, you know, even if the guy will be skilled, they're going to try to get them to fight and, like, get right. into that kind of, and, 
you know, I don't think I'd want to be just like a guy you set on the ice to go fight. Like that's like all the ice time I get in the game. So, you would have had a lot less teeth right now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he started so. looking at all those pro hockey guys that have no teeth. You're like, I don't want that. I don't no, know. I think I'm okay wearing a cage and having my face protected. Did you, did you get Eddie knocked out? Uh, no, I didn't because I play. I stopped playing kind of right before we were allowed to go to like a visor. We would mm. still wear like the full face cage. Okay. Yeah, so I was I was close to having to probably lose teeth, but yeah. I just missed that. You still got all the curly whites. Yeah. <laughs> How do you pronounce your, your hometown in Ontario? I was um, trying to say this earlier. Today. Yeah, it's it's Mississauga. Mississauga. All right. So this yeah. is a shout out to all those in Mississauga who listen right. to our podcast. We have more people internationally who listen to the pod really? than in Baltimore. That's yeah. actually true. So, no, I know there's like a there's a Toronto or something Facebook group where. I think I met a guy, he worked at like this newer era store in Toronto and he like tried to get me to follow and they actually had a big group and they'll, they'll come down to games and they'll have like their Canadian flag and stuff nice. and I'll say what's up to them and stuff. So yeah, there's a, there's a little following up there for didn't, sure. Didn't you get drafted uh, to the CFL like before you were drafted into the NFL? Yeah, so they're allowed to draft you after four years of college basically so they kind of whether you redshirt or not they'll just draft you you know gotcha. so after my redshirt junior year they they're like I was like studying for an exam and they called me and they're like yeah you know like we, we drafted you <laughs> it was Hamilton Tiger Cats it was like I think beginning of the second round they're like yeah we drafted you like we understand you want to like play your senior year and like give the NFL a shot and all that kind of stuff, but we're always here, you know, if we need you. Type so they of have your rights in case, like, the NFL thing doesn't work out. Yeah, so I think they, st I don't know if they still have my rights. I think it's for, like, four or five years or something. Right. So, yeah, it was kind of funny, but uh, it Did you even think it was, like, a possibility? Like, was it even on your radar that that was, like, Canadian draft weekend? <laughs> I mean, I I was, like, checking up with it a bit, but I didn't know, like, when they, exactly the draft was. So yeah. I was, like, it's right during exam time where I'm, like, studying and all that. And they gave me a call, and I was, like, a Canadian number, and I was, like, oh, it's probably for the, <laughs> the CFL draft. <laughs> You're, like, sweet. <laughs> all right. I was, like, yeah, it's nice being validated for sure. But, you know, obviously NFL was my end goal. And, right. you know, I wasn't going to just forego my senior year and play. Right. See, you uh, – I remember I met you for the first time at the Senior Bowl. And they have, like, the media night or whatever. It was like, oh, like right. the airplane hangar. You remember this? Oh, yeah, yeah, I you do, remember actually. remember that bread pudding? That bread pudding was yeah, the dope. Yeah, the food was really good, <laughs> it man. Was it was, like, <laughs> southern home cooking, which I, I really don't get too much of. <laughs> yeah, they don't Canadian, have that in, so. Canada, in no. Canada. Canadian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> See, my, my Canadian roots are coming out. <laughs> That's yeah, exactly. Right. That's how they say it up there, Gary. Yeah. That was <laughs> how it works. Um, but I remember, like, when I met you, and, like, I'm, like, looking straight up. I'm, like, I really hope we draft this guy. He's freaking huge. Yeah. Like, and so you become a fourth-round pick of us. And mm -hmm. then just, like, after that point, like, everything's great and all that. But you, you still had a college injury you had to shake off at the beginning, didn't you? Like, an ankle? or what Yeah, so I had a – my senior year, I had a high ankle sprain, right. like, right in the middle of the season. Um, and they were kind of, like, you know, take a month off and – you know, it never really, it got like kind of better, but it was just, you know, it was my senior year and they're like, you know, you're not going to injure it further. So you just like tape it up a ton and try to play. So I played my last two games and then in the off season, they're like, all right, take two or three months off to like see that it's healed. Wasn't healing. And then the senior bowl is coming up and I literally like wasn't even training because my, because my ankle, like I didn't want to make it like inflamed before the senior right. bowl. So the goal was to kind of just get through as much of the senior bowl as possible before it like really hurt and then get, get then get surgery right after right just because the timing wasn't great so i had to get surgery after 
I made it through like two practices and I'm like, you know, I don't feel good. I don't want to put like, you know, bad, bad tape out there, bad right? tape out there right. really when there's no need. So right. got surgery, showed up to the combine on crutches and then I was healthy by training camp, but that kind of, you know, lowered the excitement for me, like heading into the draft, <laughs> I, I assume with teams yeah. and stuff being like, why are you on crutches? Like you were just at the senior bowl type right, of thing. Right. Yeah. So that definitely hurt me. But, you know, once I shrugged that off, um, you know, I felt good in camp and stuff. Then I got injured again, obviously. Right, right. <laughs> so you tore your, your ACL in, yeah. in camp, right? Yeah, it was in camp. It was probably like halfway through training camp, I'd say. Yep. Yeah, so, yeah, tough injury to start off on, obviously. Um, right. You know, but it was, you know, it was a good, it kind of helped me to, like, get the mental side of everything, be, like, comfortable, you know, in the facility and see, like, how guys prepare, like, that kind of thing. So mentally it was good. And, you know, obviously when you're injured, you have t more time to to kind of train and stuff like that. Then guys, you know, during the season are not going to train as hard. So I was able to at least, like, maximize my my abilities in areas I was like allowed to train in basically right. so you know it was tough obviously but you know I definitely tried to make the best of it so then the next year you're like you work your way back and you're excited and yeah. you get to training camp and then you tear your bicep yeah then I then I tore my bicep and you're like I, I can't get rid of it like, no I, can't I know and it was, yeah it was, then I was yeah it was rough man it was a freak injury where I just kind of put my hand out there and I was like really I tore my bicep doing that like yeah. I didn't even think it was anything at the time and you know, yeah, an another injury, um, and you know, I just kind of took it like the same same way I took my first year, where you know, it's not really something you can control, but I'm gonna try to you know get as strong and fast as I can, like in right. other areas where I was able to work. At least I could work on my legs coming off of an ACL injury, where you know my right side may not be as strong, mm. so I could kind of get that balanced out, mm -hmm. and then. You know, bicep isn't as isn't as huge as an injury as an ACL, so I could use it to kind of further rehab my ACL and get back there. Um, and thankfully, I had the opportunity to kind of get back that season, which right. was huge. It was a huge, you know, confidence boost. And did that mean a lot to you? Because they can only use that spot on one guy. Exactly. You yeah, and I won. I really hadn't even played in a game yet, so <laughs> right. it kind of yeah, it right. kind of showed you know how much they believe in me and you know like how you know how much potential they thought I had and. So that was kind of good, you know, after getting, you know, beat down for like two years in a right. row to really kind of get that boost was, was great and obviously got some good experience there and really kind of helped me get going to last season, you know, feeling probably the best I have uh, since being a pro. Right. So we wanted to talk about your first game back mm -hmm. for the biceps. You, you yeah. blocked the kick six. Yeah. You were the guy <laughs> who blocked it, So that which was pretty awesome. Uh, so first, tell us the story, and then I, I got a follow-up question after that. Sure. Um, yeah, so kind of going into it, I was always on the field goal block team, like, because of my height and everything right. like that. I knew going to the game, I wasn't going to play a lot of defensive snaps, really. They were just going to try to get me into the hang of it and, you know, ease my ease my way back in. And uh, so I was obviously, you know, for two years, like, waiting on the sidelines, I was, like, so eager to do <laughs> something, you know. <laughs> so... You know, I just, on every opportunity I was on the field, you know, I was, like, pressing, trying to do something, you know. And, you know, the field goal was rolling up. You know, they were about to kind of seal the game. And the I was Browns like, in Cleveland Monday Yeah, and football. I was like, you know, this could be, like, a great opportunity to do something. I remember <laughs> Kaepernick Lewis Moore was like, Herb, like, you got to go out and block this. Like, you can do it. Like, this will like, change everything if you go do this. And I was like, I know. <laughs> like, I'm about to go block this type of thing. And 
So yeah, I just, I go out there and I'm beside Chris Canty and Lawrence Guy, you know, and they're, they've been, they've been great on field goal block all year. And I kind of knew I'd get a chance to get in there and try to use my length to my advantage. And I just, you know, they were able to kind of get the, the blockers off me kind of thing where it kind of opened up a little bit and I saw I could kind of get in, get right. into the gap and just, you know, put my hand up and then it hit my hand and I was like, oh man, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, it was obviously super gratifying and just, you know, Will Hill picked it up and, you know, he was taking it down the sideline. I was like, wow, we're really going to win this game. Like, <laughs> right. What is happening right now type of thing. Right. And, uh, yeah, you know, it was, you know, he scored the touchdown and we won the game. So it was, uh, Great feeling, and for all that to kind of, you know, all the heartache and, you know, everything like that to culminate in, in that moment, you know, it felt great and, you know, really helped keep my confidence back up to, you know, where it was. And, yeah. you know, it was a great moment for sure. Now, we, we all thought that the ball hit your arm where you had torn your biceps, right? The, yeah, that I thought you yes. that I thought it. it did. I like Because like <laughs> I interviewed you on the field after the game, and I remember you were so excited, and it was like, like you said, it was just this crazy moment because it looked like the Browns might win the game. And then not only do you block the kick, then Will returns it. Yeah. It's just like pandemonium. And I remember interviewing you, and you were like, yeah, it hit, it hit my yeah, arm. Literally, it's like I a magical like, story. Literally, yeah. I had, like, no idea. <laughs> I was just, like, still, like, processing, like, what just happened right. type of thing. So I, I thought it hit that arm, but then I looked back on film, and I was like, oh, yeah, it actually didn't hit that. But <laughs> I, like, I probably lost all feeling in my body and just thought it, like, didn't even know what happened. You're like, whatever, all the stories are already written. The yeah. magical stories of it hitting that arm. Yeah. 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 Bionic arm. No retraction. No yeah. retraction on that. So you still, wear, you still wear the arm brace, the big old arm brace. Here's yeah. the question. Do you wear it because it looks awesome and intimidating, or do you actually still need to wear it? Um, I mean, I, I kind of like the look, but, yeah, yeah. but at, at the same time, uh, you know, it, it feels like a little more stable and stuff like that. It kind of makes my arm feel like a lot bigger than it actually is, which is nice. Yeah. Um, I'm going to start wearing arm brace on both arms, <laughs> so I feel like I have some muscle. Yeah. <laughs> I lose a little flexibility where I'm, like, still deciding if I want to wear it this next season. But, uh, yeah, you know, it, it's just something where it was, like, kind of comforting coming off that. You know, I knew it kind of kept it a little more stable and stuff. You, J.J. Watt, Gronk. You know, it's kind of like the big white guy thing. That's you, right. You guys all wear these yeah. these arm braces. <laughs> wow. Who wears yeah. it best? Who wears it best? I have, like, the bulkiest one, I think, where it's, like, maybe it's a little more intimidating. J.J. Watt is, like, the smaller, like, more, like, yeah. sporty one. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's hard shrippy. to say. It's kind of, yeah, it's kind of, you know, we, we kind of are in our own lanes where we're all uh, doing well with the look. <laughs> So we also wanted to talk to you, and part of the reason why we brought you on is because you're kind of in line for a bigger role next year, mm-hmm. you know, with Lawrence Guy heading to New England. Uh, you know, we're looking for a starting D-end for mm-hmm. the most part, and you certainly could be that guy coming off of, played all 16 games last year, two sacks. I mean, you're in line. Just what what is your mentality kind of seeing Lawrence leave and, and the position that opens up? Yeah, you know, I'm going into next season, you know, that's my goal, I'm you know, I've all sites set on that I'm going to be the starter and I'm going to, you know, work as hard as possible to do that. You know, I think if I'm able to make the jump I did from, I guess, my second year to third year, you know, that kind of amount of jump going into this next year, I think, you know, I'll be well set up to do that. And, you know, I think during the season, you know, I had flashes, obviously, I didn't play as much as I wanted to. But I think, you know, per play, I was successful, and I feel like if I have a larger role, I'll really be able to show what I can do. Um, 
And so, you know, that's, that's my goal. That's literally what I'm working on, working towards every day. And, you know, that's pretty much the end goal. You know, that's, right. that's what I want to do. I'm, I want to be the starter and I'm going to, you know, try my best to make sure I am. It's, it's you and Kafusi is mm-hmm. kind of going to be in that competition, the yeah. third round pick from last year. You took right. two massive dudes, like two big dudes, both kind of in there right now. I mean, Kafusi's yeah. in kind of still rehabbing, so I'm right. sure you get to talk to him a lot about it too. And it's interesting because yeah, he kind of has a similar path to you guys, yeah. to mm-hmm. you in the sense that he got hurt in training camp and ended up missing, you know, the entire season. What do you think you have to do to win the job? Like, is there something that you're like, if I do this, then I will get that job? Honestly, it's just showing, a like, a noticeable improvement from last year. You know, there was, there was times where I felt like my consistency from game to game kind of slipped. But, you know, if I stay consistent in what I do and, you know, make sure there's no weakness in my game um, – yeah, I'd, I'd say consistency is really the biggest thing. You know, where I was last year, I was kind of in and out constantly. I didn't really get a feel for the for the games I was in. I know that's not really an excuse, but I feel like if I'm able to be more consistent, play to play, regardless of you know when I'm in or anything like that, I think you know that'll be enough to really show that I can be the starting DN for the Baltimore right. Ravens next year. Right. It's kind of like a running back who says, you know, I get stronger as the game goes on. You got to feed me the rock. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You're kind of the running back of the defensive line. There we go. You so stopped the run? Say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to explain before we let you go. This tattoo, sure. you have a pretty intense sleeve going on yeah. with like a little pharaoh guy. Yeah, the well, pharaoh. Not little. T- this that is big. Yeah, no, it's it's it took me so long. Like I'm literally done with tattoos forever. Because <laughs> really? how long did that thing it take? took me four no, it was five sessions of up to eight hours. So it took <gasps> it took like Ooh, it was what's the quick painful. math on that. Is that forty hours? I don't yeah, I don't even know. I, I honestly would lo- lose count. Just go in there and just sit and be like, please, can this just end? <laughs> I mean, I'm happy with it, how it like turned out. You'd already out. committed at that point, so you're like, I gotta finish the job. I did want to finish the whole sleeve, but it was it was definitely painful and a grueling, like long process. Why yeah. the left arm? Just the basketball thing. Don't for touch the shooting arm. Yeah, for some reason, I always like the look of like the left arm sleeve. I have no idea why, but yeah. you know, it just turned out that way and. You know, I'm happy with how it turned out, but I think I'm done with tattoos for, for now because it's like 50 to 60 hours of ink on my right. arm, right? Yeah. Well, we'll get a picture of it and we'll post it since this is a podcast and nobody can actually see the tattoo. Yeah, right. yeah. We'll get a picture and we'll post it when we put the podcast out. There we go. Good idea. Out there. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, Brent Irvin, thank you so yeah. much, no buddy. Thanks, really guys. appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it. Yep. Thanks again to Brent for joining us. Uh, he's somebody that I love his energy, his, his excitement. Like, he's someone that. Really? His energy? He sounds like he's not much energy. Yeah, right. That guy has a lot of energy. Like <laughs> He sounds like a cross between a surfer. He sounds like a surfer You're, boy, but he's on ice. He definitely is not a low-energy person when you sit here and you talk to him. He's not. He has. It's, I'm just saying, like his voice is like very low like, energy. It's like a surfer just, guy. I'm just telling him that you call him low energy. It's a surfer guy. He's laid back. He's chill. That's how I would describe Ben Urban. He's not like... Super high energy guy. He's got good energy. I like Brent Urban, but you know. Anyway, <clears throat> it was a good interview with him. It was a good interview. Yeah, with so, low energy. So now, him said that. now, now moving on to my guy, my guy, who I wrote. If you haven't checked this out, good background information. I wrote a big feature on him last year when he had just uh, he was competing to make the team. He hadn't even made the team yet as an undrafted rookie free agent. I heard about his story, uh, so go back and check that out. This is Stefan Namebot. And uh, you just got back from Cameroon, from home. Yeah, back home, Cameroon, West that's, Africa. That's right. So I wanted to ask you about that. How how the trip go? And was that your first time back home in like 
a long no, time? It was my second time in nine years. Okay. So, oh, wow. So yeah. twice in nine years. Yeah, second time in nine years. No wonder my mom was crying. And like, especially when I was leaving, <laughs> it was harder for her than when I got in there. When I got in there, you know, your mom, everybody's happy to see you. It's more of a joy than cry. Yeah. Because everybody's happy that, hey, you're still, you're still living, basically. <laughs> but, you know, that everything is fine. And, you know, you, you get to say hi to everybody in terms of direct family. My mom, my dad, my brother, my sister, and see a couple of friends in town. Right. For those who are left, because most of them also, you know, we we all grown up. Everybody's going on their own way, and go and own path. But my family was my main concern, right? And it was nice to see all of them. So, just if people aren't familiar with your story, you grew up in Cameroon, in West Africa, and then you moved here when you went to college. Is that correct? I moved here and went to and went to finish high school first. Okay, so you finished high school here. Then went to University of Colorado. And then some with the Ravens. Right. Well, he, you originally came thinking you were going to be a basketball, basketball player. Basketball player, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. so he was, UCLA came to recruit your <coughs> yeah. cousin? Yeah, Bamu- he played for UCLA. Bamute, he played for the Clippers now. Right. Yeah, he played for UCLA. And he kind of like opened the door for people like me and Joel Embi. You know probably Joel Embi. Right, yeah. It's because of Bamute that we are all here. So they they came over. They said, you know, this guy's pretty good at basketball. Hey, this this name back kid, he can play a little bit. He's kind of big. Yeah. We, we, <laughs> back like then, I was player. actually skinny, but I was tall. I was getting taller and taller every day. I grew a little bit, like close to three inches in the U.S. Wow, that's but. that's a pretty significant amount, especially with yeah. When he says literally, I was getting taller and taller every day. It's not an exaggeration. <laughs> literally, <laughs> getting taller and taller yeah. every day, about an inch. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when you go back, is it you know is it difficult? Do you feel like things have changed? Is it hard to go back knowing that at the end of that trip you're going to have to leave and not see them for a couple of years? Yeah, it's always difficult because you see the family, right? That's the best part. You see the family and uh, you're hanging out. But then when that time where you know, oh, I'm leaving in two days or in a day kicks in, then your thought process changes a little bit because at the same time, when you're having a good time with your family for a long time like I have, you know, you don't want to leave. You You want to stay you want to, you know, you want to help out in the house whenever, you, as much as you can. You you want to hang out with your brother and your sister and talk about, like, when I get there, they want to know, how is America? Like, you know, because there's this, uh, I would say, this hype about America that, you know, it's like this and all like that. So when I get there, they want to know all about it, you know. <laughs> they, they want me to say, how the street, like, do they have these things like we have here? Like, you know, do they, do they cook this? Do they cook that? And you're spending nights and nights trying to explain it <laughs> to your sister and stuff. Like, and they're like, oh, wow, you know, it's like... So it's kind of difficult that time to live right. because, you know, you, those conversations are not going to be around anymore. And your mom is... Especially your mom because females are... I'm not trying to stereotype or anything, but you know, moms are always a little bit more emotional than <laughs> that. You know, so it's like my mom is crying. You see, watch your mom cry. You want to cry, but you got to play cool. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, 
Uh, but then when you take the plane and you get back here, you know, you still miss home, but you also enjoy the fact that, you know, God was able to send you there and bring you back without any, I don't know, without any complications. Yeah, any complication. Right. What did you tell them about America? Like, how did you explain America and, and yeah, how it's different I, from Africa? Yeah, in terms of because my mom wanted to know who was cooking for me. <laughs> That's some typical mom right yeah, there. Yeah. I was like, no, I, I, I cook. And she's like, I'm sure it's not, it doesn't taste like African food. Right? I'm like, yeah, it's not African food. It's different. Because back home, our food has a lot more veggies in it. Mm -hmm. And here, you, and even here, I still haven't got used to meat because I'm not a big meat fan. Uh. Yeah, so it's like I have to tell her, oh, I eat a lot of fish. And she's like, all right, what would you like to eat? And then I tell her, and then that's all she's making every time. <laughs> what every, was the meal? What, what did you request when you got home? Yeah, my my first meal was the macabo rapé, yeah. What's that? Uh, I don't think you want to know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, I want to know now. Yeah, no, yeah, I really want to know. know. There's, there's this, like, root of, it's not cassava, it's not yam. There's this root that you got to, we got to, peel it first, brush it, and put it in a plastic bag and cook it, and then cook the sauce separately. Oh. And the sauce usually tends to have a lot of, like, exotic stuff in it, like, you know, good fish. Like, I like mackerel, mm -hmm. the fish mackerel. Mackerel, yeah. yeah. And we have it a lot back home. Uh -huh. That's what I like. So it's like when I get there, it's like, wow, I'm home, you know. <laughs> I want to eat all the mackerel as possible because we live on the ocean, so you get it fresh. Right, right. You know, so it's like, and then I went to the ndole. You know, ndole is what they call bitter leaves. Yeah, really, really good. And my for meat, I usually eat uh, the cow legs. Cow uh, legs. Yeah, cow leg because I don't like the red meat part of it. The oh. cow legs is pretty much all tendon. Oh. So it's called the white meat because there's no blood that really is, you don't see any right. red meat in there. Yeah. Interesting. So it's like I, I love that, you know. Uh, you told me you like elephant ears. Yeah, but we man, don't no you read ears? the news? Uh, <laughs> We are there in danger, man. You can't be doing it like when you growing uh, than when you were growing up. It's, it's over. <laughs> that time, is completely gone. Cause you know, which is good because you want to protect those that yeah. are alive. Because people are trying to kill it every day for the ivory. Yeah. So the government, then I agree with it. And I'm in a city. It's not like somebody's going to bring me some elephant. <laughs> so it's like elephant meat is when you go way, way, way in a village over there or in the north part of Cameroon. Right, right. Yeah. Did you so, get any of that sugar cane? You oh, were telling yeah. me you want I, some sugar actually, cane in your yeah, tea? Yeah, I, I even brought some pictures. I actually brought like two over here, and I was showing one of my friends like how to chew it because she didn't know how to chew it. Uh -huh. And uh, I have a friend also from Cameroon that came yesterday to take his part of what I brought, so it's like all gone. Now. <laughs> <laughs> Dang, we were, I was hoping to get some of that yeah, action. Sugar cane is the best, man. The best source of energy when you're in Africa because people walk long distances. Mm -hmm. And sugar cane is like, you know, what it says, sugar. So right. it's like people use it for energy, glucose. Right. Yeah, so people use it to walk around and they just chew on it because, you know, it's like, it's like gum. Right. You chew and you throw it away, you chew and you throw it away. So it's like really, really good. You could have brought some for the whole team. I know. Like chew it before a game. Mm -hmm. 
That would you be imagine this? Because it's all natural. It's yeah, that's what I'm talking so. about. You need a- yeah, Forget I, Gatorade. I, I, this is a new business idea that we have. Get some of that <laughs> sugar, sugar cane. Uh, bring it over here. Yeah, We're going to start yeah. our own business. Yeah, that would be nice. That's, <laughs> that's pure sugar. It goes straight to the blood. There we go. Yeah. So in your family, are you, has anyone else in your family come over to America or are you the only one? I'm the only one because, uh, I mean, I don't like to say it because when I say it, it sounds like you, you try and look for somebody to give you help or anything like that. No, I, we, my point is we grew up in a very, very poor family. It wasn't expected for someone like me to come to America. That was not even, a, I mean, it wasn't my dream because I always visioned myself like that. But like in terms of family, we didn't have that kind of money where we would say, oh, we will send you to go to school in America. Right. So it was never like that. Therefore, my family never had that money where they could say, oh, let's go visit Stefan. Like, let's pay for a flight ticket and go visit. And also with immigration, the way it works is you got to show that I have to show some type of resources that I have certain amount of money in the bank to take care of my family when they get here. Mm-hmm. And in college, I never had that. So right. like, <laughs> uh, you play an NCAA where you have to only get bagel without cream cheese. It was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> So it was it was a little weird. So I never had the money or anything like that. We tried one time for my dad. They said no because we didn't have uh, sufficient amount of money in my account. And then the second time, my dad broke his leg, so he couldn't come. Mm. Yeah. So it's like, uh, but no, my family has never been here, and I'm working on it too. I'm working on at least for a visit, you know. Yeah. Uh, my family has never seen me play in high school, never seen me play in college, never seen me play pro. <laughs> so it's like, uh, I would love, I would love to bring them out here for like a game or so, so they can see a little bit what American football is about. Yeah. Because when I talk about it, my mom thinks it's rugby. She still <laughs> thinks it is? Yeah, she still thinks, even when I went home, because I didn't have any videos, so I was like, oh, this is what, and I didn't want to show her the hitting part. <laughs> <laughs> She would get a little nervous. Yeah, would have been more crying. Her is going to get out of her chest, you know. She was like, I was like, oh, I don't think she's ready for this fight. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, just think about it. Like, for the, when the time comes where hopefully you get the whole family out and you bring them to a game, not only is it going to be the first experience of kind of seeing the other side of the world and seeing America, but it's also seeing the game. You yeah. know, like, that's going to be an eye-opening that, experience. That's eye-opening. And the beauty about it is the fact that you are around the fans that are live fans because it's something about watching the game on TV where you don't hear the noise, you don't hear happiness, mm-hmm. you know. So it's like maybe like I feel like in her heart, even if they hit, if you're taking a hit and their fans are around her and be like, oh, like, you know, things like that, it kind of like calm people right. down on their heart. Be like, oh, wow, this is nice, you know. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, it's funny. Like, me too, I have, before I play pro, I have never been to a professional football game. My first football game in my life, pro, was the one I was playing it <laughs> against the Panthers. Right, right the preseason so, game. Yeah, the preseason game. I have never been to a pro football game so that's unreal so so unfortunately you missed you made the team as an undrafted rookie last year but then went on ir for the entire season so you didn't get to play outside of the preseason but this year you're healthy now you're walking around looking good running already you're running already and now there's a, a vacancy at right tackle 
with Rick Wagner signing in Detro to Detroit. And Gary, you didn't know this, but I was just walking upstairs, and we're walking up, and I, I think that this guy, he might have a chance to, to play right tackle is what I'm saying. He might have a chance. So what, what do you think, Stefan? What do you think of that opportunity? I think it's a great opportunity just not only for me, for my family, for the Ravens organization, because at the end of the day, you know, it's all about competition. There's maybe three or four of us competing for that spot. And, um, you know, f f based on where I come from, I love competition, you know, made the best men win. I, I hope it's me. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not going to try to put it on anybody out there, but I'm going to give everything that I got, every single play, so that I can be the starting right tackle. So I'm not really worried about that part because I know the work that I will put in and that I'm putting in right now. And, you know, hopefully with God's grace, I'm the next right tackle. How much better do you feel like you are as a football player now as opposed to, you know, when you arrived at the University of Colorado, for example? Oh, way, way. <laughs> <laughs> it's like night and days. Like, because when I got there, I was a defensive end. Right. Then sophomore year, going in the middle of a game, I will never forget it. I, w I was playing against Fresno State. I went from defensive end to right tackle. Wow. <laughs> in the middle uh, of a game. On the spot. Yeah. Like, because the right tackle got hurt or whatever. And they look at me and say, hey, go in. And I'm like, uh. <laughs> I, I and you know. never played on the offensive line? Nope. Never played. Wow. <laughs> and then, next thing I know, they started teaching me how to play a little bit. But I was only there for run block and everything. So it's like, I feel way much better because. Here with the Raven organization, I'm focusing on right tackle. Mm. In college, I went from defensive end to right tackle to left tackle. Right. So I never really played the same position consistently. Every time when I got a little better, they would flip me. They would be like, oh, he's getting better. Let's flip him. He can handle it. Mm. And, you know, so that kind of screwed a little bit with me. And now when I only have to focus on one spot, right tackle, I think, you know, I can give everything I got just for that position without having to worry about anything else or any changes. So I'm fine with that. Right. Do you think it really helps you, too, because you were raw? You know, you didn't start. It's not like you grew up and played football your entire yeah. life. I mean, you don't start playing until high school and then you, you know, play defense in college. And so you've only been playing on the offensive line for what, like four years? Yeah. Four or five? Four or five years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, like, that's pretty, you know, when you look at it and compare it to what a lot of these other guys in the league, their situations, they've maybe they've been, been off the slime for, for 10 time. years, 12 yeah, years. That's true. Uh, uh, I, will, I will thank God for that in terms of physical ability, genes, that something that I cannot, you cannot teach somebody how to be six foot seven it's true. 320 <laughs> so that, that is God's side you know but now what about me I like to work hard everything I do I work hard to be where I am because I always consider myself like somebody that wasn't born with talent I have to work harder to get to where somebody else with a talent gets you know so at the end of the day some people are born with a talent and it, it works well for them and some people are one with what I call work ethic, like me. My work ethic lead me to the same path. So it's like, uh, I don't really worry about like how many years people, other people have played or how many years I play. Because if you look at that, you will always be behind. You will be like, well, I'm trying to catch. No, I'm not trying to catch up to anybody. <laughs> 
I'm here to take over. That's just the way it is. And, you know, may the best men win when it comes to the starting job. And that's just how I look at it. There's no excuses with me. I'm not going to sit here and pound my chest or anything like that. I came here, most people didn't expect me to make it where I made it, you know. So I was like, people were like, oh, he's raw, no technique. Thank God to, you know, God put people on my path that were like Coach Castillo, right. Coach Hobbs, you know, that were able to tell me, hey, you can do this, you know. And I took it from there and never looked back. And here I am. All right. Nice. Well, before we let you go, I got to ask one question because this was speaking to Coach Castillo. Yeah. The first time he ever told us about you, he w- comes into our office. He goes, "You guys got to talk to my boy Namebot. <laughs> you got to talk to Namebot." He wouldn't stop address about how we hadn't talked to you. We're like, "All right, we're going to talk to him. We're going to talk to him." Because have you goes, talked to him yet? Have you talked to him? He goes, yet? "He goes, this dude killed a lion." <laughs> I told him to not say that. I never killed him. I, I told him. You know what? He likes to tell tall yeah, tales. He like, like, I was like, "Wait, what? I killed a lion?" <laughs> <laughs> and he would say it in the meetings room too. The guys, the guys would just turn around and look at me, and you know, you see everybody's looking, and you just are like, I'm just one. I'm gonna just look forward. Everybody's eyes are looking on you. Now I was like, please stop it, but he wouldn't stop. And that's what I like about him because he knows how to joke around, and he right. knows when it's time to go, it's time to go. There's no joking. There's, we just go, hundred percent. Right. But I think that was a way for him to make people feel comfortable in the meeting room, you know, because, you know, football is a game where everybody comes from different backgrounds. So it's like you got to find a way to have a common ground. And that was a way for him. I wasn't the only one he was making fun of. Everybody, (laughs) you know, he was just kind of bringing the room together, you know. Right. Yeah. Well, you're going to kill a lot of defensive ends this year. I hope so. So That sounds pretty good. (laughs) Pray God and hope so that, you know, I'm ready. (laughs) Nice. Well, Stefan Neymar, thank you, buddy. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Appreciate your time. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks to Stefan for joining us. And uh, also, are you going to say he's low energy also? Well, yeah, I would say his voice is, (laughs) yeah, I would also agree. Those two guys, it's it's something international, you know. They're just chill. They're just hanging out. I like them. Yeah. So um, really appreciate their time. And look, come this fall yeah. on the season they could absolutely be in the starting lineup exactly you they're know? two important names to keep an eye on in training camp for sure yeah. in the thick of competitions where there's opening spots now all things could change sure but uh but right now they look like they're gonna they could have big roles for sure sometimes when players leave it's because teams are confident in who they have yep. in the in the background i mean a couple years ago michael orr left and then who ended up becoming the starting right tackle that was rick wagner ravens have a long history of guys doing that and so maybe lawrence guy leaves brent urban steps in rick wagner leaves Maybe Stefan Nabla steps into that spot. We'll see how it all plays out. Yeah, for sure. I hope the best for both of them. So thank you for listening. As always, you can reach us at thelounge at ravens.nfl.net. We need some more emails, people. Yeah. All right? It's kind of drying up a little bit. And what, what happened to those audio ones? I liked when they recorded the audio questions and stuff. So send those your way. It's really easy. Get on your iPhone. Just pull up the mic app, whatever yeah. it is, and send us that because we, we will definitely play it. As long as it's halfway decent. Yeah, it's got to be somewhat good. It's got to be decent. Just to let you know, there will not be a podcast next week. We have a one-week hiatus, and we'll be back right after that with some awesome guests and, uh, of course, our always witty conversation. Nothing better. (laughs) (laughs) So thanks for listening, and uh, have a great week. We'll talk to you guys soon.